Good afternoon everybody. Welcome to the Athelsford District Council Planning Committee meeting for Wednesday the 8th of February 2017. Some housekeeping points before we start please. Um, we're not expecting a fire drill so if the bells ring please make your way calmly down through the double doors down the stairs, assemble on the grass circle and our fire marshals will take you to a place of further safety. All mobile phones should be switched to silent please. And members, uh, please be aware we are recording and broadcasting this meeting, so make sure your microphone is on before you speak. Um, where are we now? Uh, contrary to the statement I made at the end of the last meeting, we still have Maggie Cox with us for one more time. So, uh, Maggie, apologies, please. Your apologies from Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you very much. Uh, declarations of interest, members. Councillor Freeman. Member of Saffron Warden Town Council Chairman. Thank you. Any others? Oh, fine, thank you. We'll move on then. Uh, the minutes of the previous meeting were publicised. Uh, can I assign those as a true record, please? I shall do so. Thank you very much. On to today's business and the first application. Item 3 is UTT 162701. Its details following grant of outline permission and it's in Saffron Walden, and me, Mrs Shrewsmith will make the presentation to you. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. The application site is known as the Ridgen site on Ashton Road in Saffron Walden. Um, sorry, the site location plan isn't too great, but it's um, to the east of um, Ashton Road. Um, the Ridgen site is located... Well, well, this is the whole of the Ridgen site. Ridgen was originally located here and has now been reconstructed and located here. Members will uh, remember that the outline planning permission was granted back in 2014 for a mixed commercial unit and residential. Um, the commercial units being located on this part of the site and the residential proposed for this half of the site. Therefore, the principle of the development um, and the main access has been previously approved, together with reserved matters um, regarding the detailing of the spur road within the, within the inner site. This is the layout of the scheme. Um, say this is um, part of the overall um, scheme, which has been granted uh, outline. Um, reserved matters has also been granted for this element here to access into the site. This main um, spine road into the site has already been constructed. Oops, sorry. Um, has already been constructed. Also, the Ridgens building um, has uh, the new building has also been constructed as well. A copy of the outline report is located within Appendix B of the report. Sorry, A within the report on pages 34 to 91. The phasing plan, which has been previously amended has, um, in order to allow the Ridgens Builder to come forward uh, without delay, um, as stated, has also been now completed. The phasing plan has been included within the report on page 14 for information. The applicant's statement of case, the history of the site, including all uh, consultation responses, have been fully outlined within the report. 
So the outline uh, before, sorry, the application before us is for the reserve matters for the residential elements solely. Um, the scheme is to provide for 160 dwellings. Uh, you will remember that the outline um, approved up to 167 dwellings. Um, so this is just for the 160 with the balance to be provided possibly at the future date on um, the other part of the site. Sorry, this keeps moving. On another part of the site. The scheme is also for um, the associated car and cycle parking, um, landscaping, a five-a-side football pitch and associated infrastructure. The breakdown of the housing units in terms of tenure, amenity space and parking can be found in Appendix B on page 92. So this gives you um, the layout plan of the scheme. Um, say. As part of the scheme, 5% um, bungalows are proposed on site. These are proposed to be located here, which is considered probably the most sensitive part of the site. Uh, the ground levels um, are higher here in comparison to those on the properties of Division Avenue, which back onto the site. There is um, Variety in heights, which I will mention in a second um, and explain those in a bit more detail. The amenity space which has been provided um, and shown in the table in Appendix B shows that the dwellings meet um, standards um, in accordance with the Essex Design Guide. The back-to-back -back distances also comply with guidance as well. As a result of that, it's been concluded that there is no um, harm in terms of amenity uh, between residential properties proposed within the site or with those um, in relation uh, outside of the site as well. The density of the proposed development is in line uh, which, uh, with national policy and the Essex Design Guide at 34 um, dwellings per hectare. As stated, the scheme will provide 40% affordable, which is dotted throughout the site. I have circulated a copy of the affordable housing. I don't know if you can see on the plans. Um, it's those properties which have a red dot on them. It shows that they have been scattered throughout the site. There is a, a level of affordable housing here. Chairman, those are not legible. They are a representation of what you've had available to you on the website for about the last two weeks, Councillor, so um, we can pick up any individual points you want to make, but that plan is legible. Thank you. So in the affordable housing is scattered through the site. They are located here, here. Also, there is um, elements here here through the site and along here. There is also um, affordable housing along the back here as well. As stated, there are 5% uh, wheelchair accessible dwellings in the form of bungalows which are located here. Um, the proposed dwellings would have a mixture of heights. Again, I've circulated a plan showing the heights um, of the units. Um, predominantly, the dwellings will be two-storey. Um, the 
There is a scattering of two and a half storey units within the site which are located here, further into the site here, one down here and a balance along the back here. There is a three-storey block of flats which is located here next to the existing substation. Um, there are elevations which I will show you in a second. As stated, the bungalows have been located on the, uh, on the most sensitive part of the site um, to the southwestern corner. Um, and if I show you the street scene, that is an example of what the sh a typical street scene would look like within the site itself. Uh, that is an example of what the block of flats uh, will look like adjacent to the substation, which is three storeys. The heights of the buildings have been outlined in paragraph 10.6 on page 25 of the report. This complies with the agreed parameters within the outline permission. In terms of public open space, um, a number of open spaces have been provided within the scheme. We have the proposed five-a-side pitch, which is located here, next to the proposed trim trail. We have a cycle path, uh, stroke footpath, which would link um, onto Ashton Road, the pedestrian footpath, from the site itself. There is more open space here, we have um, the sustainable attenuation pond here with um, open space located adjacent to it. And to um, the northwest of the site, there is the leap and lap, which provides uh, play equipment, uh, which is located here. Um, going back to the main plan. Um, the concerns raised with, uh, with regards to the public open space and the size of the playing fields, including the nature of the playing equipment, have been fully addressed within the report. There is also the case regard, uh, also issues regarding ecology suds have also been fully addressed, outlined within sections 10.43 and section E of the report, um, all of which any concerns have removed any form of objection. Landscaping, um, including place-based areas, are also uh, considered acceptable. No objections have been raised by the landscape officer. In terms of highways, um, the scheme has been revised to um, address concerns that highways um, have raised, which have been highlighted in paragraphs 8.7 and 10.30 of the report. In terms of parking standards, the scheme either meets or exceeds um, the minimum, minimum parking spaces on individual plots. Um, this is similar to other sites where an overprovision has been provided on some of the plots to take account of visitors' parking spaces. This has uh, been considered to be acceptable. Um, also, visitors' parking spaces have been provided, including disabled parking bays, adjacent to a number of the open spaces, uh, for example, along here and along here, which is um, the parking space is highlighted in red. 
overall, the um, scheme is considered to be acceptable. Um, it accords with policy subject to the conditions listed within the report on pages 32 and 33. Therefore, approval has been recommended. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you, Mr. Shoesmith. We have one speaker on this application. That's the agent, Nikki Parsons. And you have three minutes, Mrs. Parsons. Thank you, Chair. Members, the application before you is the final part of the residential element of the approved development at this site. It follows on from the Outline Planning Commission, as you've just heard, that you granted in November 2014, and the detailed approval of the access road that you granted in July 2016, and the access road is due to begin developments at the beginning of March this year. The Outline Planning Commission provides consent for up to 167 new homes and commercial uses and the Reserve Matters application before you relates to the residential element of that permission. You are being asked to approve the details of the appearance, layout, scale and landscaping of the site, the principle of the scheme having already been approved. The details proposed have been the subject of pre-application discussions with the Town Council and the District Council and further post-submission discussions have also taken place and the scheme, as you've heard, has been amended to address that feedback. Members, you may recall that the outline permission included a master plan for the layout of the site. The Reserve Matters has improved upon this by providing greater areas of landscaping at the southern end of the site where the HSC consultation zones are located. It also provides details of the football pitch and improves the spread of other open space uses across the site. It provides a high quality development across all housing types and meets your enhanced parking standards as well as the design requirements of the Essex Design Guide. A large proportion of the open market units, 42%, are smaller properties in accordance with your policy requirements. As you've heard, the scheme includes 40% affordable housing, which amounts to 64 units, in a mix and tenure split that is acceptable to your housing officer. This is spread across the site in eight separate locations. It is not concentrated in one area. The scheme includes eight bungalows, as you've heard, and they are also spread across housing tenures and are designed to wheelchair standards, and all other homes are designed to lifetime home standards. Members, you have before you a scheme that your statutory consultees within the district and the county council have found to be acceptable. Your officer has tested the details against both the outline permission and your planning policies and has found the scheme to be compliant with both. You will have already heard in the white paper announcements yesterday about the broken housing market and the need to deliver more housing, especially on brownfield sites such as this. Members, here you have a scheme that your officers have endorsed and that a developer is ready to build and indeed will be starting at the beginning of March. It is an important part of your five-year land supply and your approval today will allow you to preserve your stated housing supply. You can do so in the knowledge that your officers do not consider there to be any policy conflicts arising from this scheme. I therefore respectfully urge you to accept your officer's recommendation and approve this application. Thank you, Mrs Parsons. Okay, members, over to you. Comments, questions? None? Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, one of the concerns with this development, but also others that are taking part in the immediate vicinity, is the difficulty of actually getting into the centre of the town uh, from these sites. There is no satisfactory pavement, uh, nor 
would it seem that anybody has an intention of making a satisfactory payment for somebody to, for example, uh, push um, a child in a buggy from here to the town centre? Uh, I think that needs to be addressed properly. It hasn't as such. Uh, you have to cross the road at a point where there are no crossings, two points where there are no crossings, uh, and there is a very limited footpath access from this site down to the large roundabout where the new Tudor Park has been built. So I suggest, Chairman, that as a, a number of other things I can bring to your attention, but that's one that should be conditioned. I believe we did uh, address that at... Um The outline stage when we looked at a contribution towards highway improvements. Am I correct, Mrs. Susmi? Uh, yes, uh, there's, a, I think on page 38 and 39, there's a list of the heads of terms which were signed up to within the section 106. Um, one of which, um, Roman. Um, Number two, um, it states highway work contribution of £120,000. Um, also, there is a contribution um, from the scheme um, for £80,000 towards the implementation and construction of the Wendenzambo Zambo Cycle Path Link Scheme, um, or 29% of the total cost, whichever is lower. Um, also, a financial contribution towards um, the implementation of a parking scheme along Ashton Road. Together with that, um, we've also secured provision of enhancements of a mini roundabout on Ashton Road stroke Church Street, Castle Hill, um, Common Hill, or a financial contribution, um, and associated signage um, to, to go with that. Also, um, as part of the outline scheme, it was secured for a bus service, um, either enhanced or an extension of the existing bus service uh, to go through up to the site, which would, um, there is a turning table which has been provided within the wider scheme to be located here. So um, measures have been um, taken into account as part of the outline application. Thank you very much. You had other points, Chairman. Okay, um, if I may, <clears throat> I don't, that, that doesn't necessarily do it because 120k given to highways could be spent in any number of different fashions. What we need... Uh, no, it would be relevant to this application, Councillor. Thank you. If I may continue. You certainly uh, can. It needs a couple of crossings which we do not have to safely take a child and a buggy from this site into the centre of the town. Those don't exist. And 120k to the highways doesn't make them exist. It could be spent in all manner and form. I haven't seen anything which has crossings. I have never seen, have not seen a map with crossings on it relating to this scheme. So that seems to be lacking. It could be made more specific at this stage uh, by a condition. Uh, conditions are part of the consent, as we all know, and they then therefore tend to be observed. But at the moment, I think it's unsatisfactory for pedestrian access into the centre of the town. Thank you. Can I ask Mr Brown to illuminate us on this? Thank you. Just to clarify, and I think members are aware of this, that this is a uh, reserve matters application, the detailed application. The outline planning permission has been granted, and what Maria went through just earlier was the 106 package that's part of that. Uh, we cannot revisit that. 
um, this is the reserve matters and, and in the, that's dealing with the actual detail of this particular phase of the development and we can't revisit it by asking for additional things on top of that from the 106 because as far as we're concerned we've approved planning permission for outline consent and the necessary infrastructure requirements have been put in place. Thank you. Councillor Hicks. Thank you, Chairman. <coughs> it seems to me that this um, application, this applicant has um, behaved very properly. There have been good consultations with the um, Town Council and District Council in the preparation of this detailed application. And uh, um, I um, do suggest that we recommend it for approval. Thank you very much, Councillor. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Lockwood, thank you. Do you wish to speak on it? No, thank you. So. Councillor Mills. Thank you, Chairman. Um, yeah, like Mr Hicks, I think that Bloor have done quite a lot. They're doing quite a lot across the district and they're putting a lot of effort into making these projects correct. Um, I have one issue with the layout and that's tandem parking again. Um, the tandem parking means that cars will reverse out onto the road or possibly park on the road. We seem to be putting garages even further into the back of gardens now and it's uh, quite prevalent on this site. So to get the extra spaces, we're moving the garages further and further back. Um, there's nothing we can do about that, but it's something that we should be looking at. Um, I'm just worried that vehicles will be left on the pavement rather than block themselves in. Uh, but apart from that, I'm going to support this application. Thank you very much. Uh, Councillor Lodge. Uh, thank you, Chair. Just to, to revert a little bit to Councillor Freeman's concerns, um, We've, we've talked about the need for the footpath. I think we probably all agreed. Um, there, there was also, as part of the scheme, and supposedly part of the section of 106, was improvement to the roundabout of Ashton Road uh, as it approached uh, Common Hill, um, which would seem to be a, a pretty important part of the traffic management. I just, just wonder, how do we get the assurance that these will be implemented in, in, in that we've failed in, another, uh, in a number of other developments to get improvements that we're, we're hoping for. Will £120,000 do it and to just how do we control it because that access is important but um, actually just to, to reiterate what others have said, um, I think they've done a good job overall in uh, producing this uh, detailed application. We've got the, the football picture that we wanted but um, we, 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 we're suffering on the um, uh, development across the road, as uh, Mr. Brown will know about, non-compliance with, with conditions and a lack of a footpath there. So how do we get this to happen? I'm going to ask Mr. Brown or Mr. Lyle. I'm not sure who's going to answer that one. I'll come into this one. Thank you. Um, yes, Councillor Lodge is right. I'm, I've, I've been sort of living this with the Town Council and, and Councillor Freeman with his Town Council hat on as well in terms of discussions about what's been happening on Tudor Park. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't darken the copybook of a current developer because obviously they, they, you know, they will carry on and they will oblige with the <laughs> Section 106s. There is necessary triggers within all the Section 106 in terms of they need to do certain things and pay certain monies by certain times. And we are now in a different place than where we were before in terms of dealing with 106 issues. Um, the, the ultimate sanction if someone starts work and gets to a particular trigger point without providing the necessary infrastructure there's a double breach. Not only are you not providing the infrastructure, you are also providing houses when you shouldn't be. So the, 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 the ultimate 
sanction is to prevent more houses to be built until those facilities are brought forward. So that puts in the first issue in terms of ensuring the triggers are enforced. And I do agree that the authority needs to be doing some, some convincing, bearing in mind what's happened on previous sites. But you have my assurances that that's the way forward. The second issue in terms of how the money is going to be spent, there is set major strategic projects, like you say, in terms of the improvements to the roundabouts. Um, but there is also other um, monetary contributions towards improvements and improvements can be you know what does that mean and I, and I would envisage uh, the town council the, the the county council have a have a program of what they intend to do but I would in, I would I would envisage and I would assure you that there would have to be some engagement with the town council to improve to ensure that the right development is come forward so it is it is actually provide spending that money both locally to do with the development we also have to convince the developer that we are actually using it in a local way as well so therefore we've got assurances both to the developer and to the town council that it's been appropriate as well second to that there's also requirements over public open space and also requirements over over player equipment as well which again the town council will be ensured so i would envisage a timely way in enforcing to make sure it happens at the appropriate time and secondly some engagement with the town council not a symbolic engagement proper engagement with the town council to ensure that it's put forward properly um, thank you thank you I, uh, I, I, I am assured and uh, I, um, I hope that they, they will concentrate particularly the, the provision of we, we need that footpath before the first person moves into the house and walks out with a buggy in, in reality and so we'll be working on that um, I have a couple of other questions. One, um, we're, we're seven houses short of the, um, uh, the, the uh, original uh, outline permission, and um, I think you, you weren't quite sure where they were, so maybe you could uh, answer that. Let me just do the, the other questions as well. And the other thing then was on a very strange uh, addendum, which was the health and safety executive coming back at a late date saying that this was um, a bit dangerous. So I just wondered if you could maybe expand on that and again give us reassurance that uh, that will be fully fixed before we go ahead because uh, not having a pavement is not as bad as blowing people up. Thank you. The, um, the balance, first of all, the balance of the flats, it was envisaged as part of the outline that the balance would be possibly located here. It was uh, as part of the original doing that. Um, the part of the outline envisaged that this would be a retail unit located here with units above. Obviously that's a reserved matter. Uh, that hasn't come through yet. Um, but the scheme, as I said, that's just for 160 and with the balance coming uh, on another part of the site. But it was up to 167 if the balance doesn't come forward at a later date. Um, with regards to the HSE, um, they hadn't raised an objection as part of the original outline application. The only difference with this application is the um, addition of the trim trail and the five-a-side pitch. These are located on the outer blast zone. HSE have been contacted uh, numerous times. Unfortunately, their system is um, an automated one. It's a bit clunky, so depending on what you enter into the system and how you do it, it depends on what result, well, it has an effect on the result that you get. So you could put the same thing twice, but a different way, but end up with five different results. And this is unfortunately what has happened here. The agent has demonstrated through um, pre-app discussions that um, directly with the HSC that no objection has been raised to the scheme. Um, 
and as I said, there is, uh, they haven't raised an objection as part of the outline, and the only difference being the fireside pitch. I think the concern being the prolonged period of time, how long public would be located in that area. Um, because it won't be uh, for prolonged periods of time and uh, the nature of the use, it, it's acceptable. As I said, they, the agent has demonstrated that there is no HSE concern now. Thank you. Does that uh, give you more confidence, Councillor Dodge? Yes, thank you. Great, thank you. Uh, yeah, Councillor Freeman, if we um, are minded to approve this, obviously the highways improvement works. Um, you, as a part of the Town Council and the planning team, obviously, um, can have a great contribution towards that, those discussions. Um, in lack of further comments, then we have a proposal for acceptance, which has been seconded. So we'll go to the vote. All those in favour, please show. It's eight in favour. And against? Any abstentions? Are you voting in this one, John? Where were you? Yeah, we had a vote. And you did not vote? Right. Okay. Thank you. Right. So that application is approved. Councillor Chambers, yes. Could I just say, um, Councillor Davy is not um, feeling that fit. He is um, quite unwell. So if he does close his eyes, then that's the reason why it is, because um, obviously he's not feeling too fit. No, we understand that. I wouldn't that. want people to think he wasn't taking notice of what... No, we understand that. Thank you, Councillor Chambers. OK, the next item on the agenda, application 16-2632. It's an application for full planning consent at Stansted. And Mr Theobald will make our presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. This revised full application relates to the mixed-use development of this cleared formal commercial building site behind the Cambridge Road frontage, comprising 10-number market dwellings, a ground-floor retail unit with independent first floor over, called Unit 1, and a one-and-a-half-storey commercial building positioned behind, including associated garages, car parking and landscaping for the site as a whole. The revised site layout, as submitted, shows a mix of seven three-bed units and three two-bed units, which will be externally clad in a mixture of brick, render and weatherboarding under plain tiled roofs. The two commercial buildings would also be of traditional appearance. The revised site layout also shows a 2.5 metre linking footpath from the rear of the site by plot 10 to the Crafton Green car park, which incidentally has been increased in its width by half a metre from the 2 metre width as originally shown on the uh, originally submitted drawing for this scheme. And whilst the commercial parking area is shown at the front of the site. I'll just go on to the next uh, layout plan. This shows it in more detail. The site layout has a 4.8 metre wide access road incorporating a Type 3 turning head, 
capable of carrying both residential and commercial traffic. Bin collection points are shown outside each residential unit. Residential parking will be in the form of both hard standing and covered spaces. Additionally, as now shown on this revised drawing, which was not shown on the original drawing for this submitted scheme, a 500mm wide buffer strip is shown on the revised, to show it here, uh, it's adjacent to the Tesco Express building at the front of the site. And this is to improve the um, spacing between the flank face of the building and commercial vehicles that would use the site. Now this revised scheme remains virtually the same as the scheme which was refused by the Council in 2016 and which was subsequently dismissed on appeal with the exception that the commercial parking at the front of the site has been increased and reconfigured to meet with Essex County Council Highway's maximum parking standards and where also the commercial tandem parking, which was shown for the refuse scheme, has now notably been removed from this site layout, uh, which was something the inspector commented on. And additionally, commercial unit two has been reduced in height from three storeys, as originally shown on the uh, appealed application, to one and a half storey height with office space and roof space to overcome amenity concerns expressed by the same planning inspector where she felt that there would be significant amenity loss by reason of overlooking and overbearing effect on the occupants of plot one for the residential element of the scheme. I'll just run through. This is showing the housing mix. As you can see, uh, their two storey height uh, vernacular style. This is the commercial unit one, which has the retail on the ground floor and commercial above. And this is commercial unit two at the rear. Now this is the building which crucially has been changed in its height profile to overcome the inspector's reason for refusal uh, on the last application, where you can now see it has uh, office space uh, at um, the second floor within the roof space with a minimum 1.7 metre clearance from uh, internal uh, ground level to the underside of the sill. So that um, is the details. Just run back to that. Now it should be emphasised that the planning inspector considering the previous appeal for this site found the mixed use scheme to be acceptable in principle and crucially also did not raise any objections to the means of access from Cambridge Road or the access road itself, which, as I said, remains unchanged from that previously submitted. Essex County Council Highways have not raised any objections to the revised scheme on highway grounds. Residential parking provision and layout, including provision of visitor parking, would also be met as before as would the rear garden amenity areas for each residential plot as set out in the schedule on page 98 of the officer report. Whilst the housing mix carried forward from the previous scheme also remains acceptable.
So in conclusion, Chairman, the revised scheme as now presented now overcomes the two specific reasons for refusal as identified in the Inspector's Appeal Decision for the previously refused planning application for this mixed-use scheme, and it is considered that the proposal now fully complies with both national and local plan policy and is recommended for approval. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Theobald. Now we have some speakers, and the first of whom is a local ward member for the District Council, Councillor Dean. You have five minutes, Councillor Dean. Thank you. Yes, thank you for that, Mr Chairman and committee members. I'm pleased to be able to speak to you again on this, uh, this, about this site. Uh, as members will know, this site has had uh, previous, several previous applications refused beside the busy 1383 Cambridge Road in Stansted. I'm speaking in opposition to this application. Despite the apparent willingness of Essex Highways yet again to consider the access and egress to and from this site to meet their expectations for road and safe, pedestrian safety, I have not changed my opinion that it is unsafe. Despite the unwillingness of the past two appeal inspectors to accept Essex Highways' view that there will be no, <clears throat> no undue risk to safety of people using the road and pavement along Cambridge Road, I speak for many residents in disagreeing. Despite there being space at the entrance for a wider road that would at least reduce the likelihood of vehicles clashing as they arrive and depart, I am disappointed that the access road width would be only 4.8 metres. This is the width of two car park bays in a substandard car park. Two parking bays that meet present day Essex and Uttlesford parking standards will be one metre wider at 5.8 metres. That would be just below the six metre width of the original access road to the site. So why is it acceptable to approve an actual road for passing commercial vehicles that would be narrower than two modern parking bays and narrower, narrower than the access road before demolition of the previous commercial premises. I'm pleased that the applicant has now agreed to follow the requirements applied on a nearby site by providing a half metre buffer strip alongside the neighbouring building. This will at least provide protection from damage to the building from vehicles moving onto the site and off again. A 2.5 metre footpath into the public car park is an improvement on the originally proposed narrower footpath. However, I cannot change my long-standing opinion that a footpath without a complementary vehicle access from the site into the Crafton Green car park will be of little public use in relieving parking congestion along Cambridge Road near Tesco and the application site. Most casual shoppers who pass through Stansted by car will not divert into the car park via Chapel Hill and then walk via the footpath to the shops. I am concerned that the proposed commercial building too will be a white elephant and a, on a, a mixed site like this one. If it is built, I envisage there will soon be a new planning application to convert it to residential flats. 
that would aggravate the parking demand on the site. May I ask that, if you are mindful to approve this unsatisfactory application, that you condition the commercial building to inhibit its ready conversion to residential. Finally, may I also address you and perhaps the applicant this afternoon to say that whether or not this application is approved this afternoon, that he enters into a full and meaningful discussion with the local community and local elected representatives that might not only lead to delivery of the applicant's aspirations, but would also bring more value to this part of Stansend and also the people who use it for their day-to-day -day shopping and other business. Thank you very much for listening to me. Thank you, Councillor Dean. Our next speaker is the Clerk of the Parish Council, uh, Mrs Ruth Clifford. Do you have three minutes, Mrs Clifford? Thank you, Chairman. Good afternoon, members of the Planning Committee. Stansted Mount Fitchett Parish Council has established a set of principles by which it will consider any planning application relating to this site. And the main principles are, one, to secure vehicular access from Cambridge Road to the Crafton Green Car Park via a one-way entry route. Number two, the stretch of Crafton Green Road connecting the car park and Chapel Hill should be two-way to allow convenient access to the car park for those visiting council property. And three, to provide public car parking as close as possible to Cambridge Road in order to alleviate the problem of congestion and illegal parking on Cambridge Road. My members do not believe that this application meets these criteria, but should a plan be forthcoming which does meet these, then the council would be likely to support it. Contrary to Essex Highways, a specific objection to this application is the egress of traffic onto Cambridge Road. Sight lines for traffic exiting the site will be obscured by parked vehicles, particularly lorries in the loading bay outside the adjacent Tesco store, and potentially buses in the bus stop immediately to the south. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mrs Clifford. And our final speaker is the agent, Mr Dagg. Do you have three minutes, Mr Dagg? Thank you, Chairman, members. Members know this site uh, very well. It's been discussed uh, in this room on several occasions over the last few years. Most significantly, it was very fully discussed at a planning appeal hearing uh, last year. Mr. Thurbold has dealt with that extremely well in his report. Uh, can I emphasize, of course, this is a brownfield site. It's a proposal for a mixed scheme uh, in principle, this is entirely in accord with both national and local policy. You've heard the policy analysis from Mr. Theobald. Can I just respond briefly to the points that have been made by both Councillor Dean and by uh, uh, Mrs. Clifford, the parish councillor? Uh, the issue of uh, access onto Cambridge Road was very thoroughly discussed at the planning uh, appeal hearing. Um, the arguments that have been put forward by Councillor Dean today have been examined not by just one but by two planning inspectors over the course of the last three years, as I emphasise extremely thoroughly last year. The uh, concerns that were voiced with regard to access onto Cambridge Road and the nature of the access were thoroughly analysed. The objectors at the planning uh, appeal hearing had the benefit of uh, consultancy advice and representation. You know what the outcome was from Mr Theobald's uh, report. 
the inspector found the access arrangements to be satisfactory. The access road, 4.8 metres wide, is to Essex County Council standards. It allows for private vehicles and for commercial vehicles to pass. It is entirely uh, adequate. Uh, there is very little prospect indeed uh, of an objection based upon access uh, being, being sustained uh, by, by any planning inspector. Um, you've heard that the, uh, there has been addition of a half metre buffer strip uh, to uh, improve the access arrangements. That, uh, that is agreed with by, by Councillor Dean. In my submission, there can't be any reasonable objections based upon access uh, in this context. Councillor Dean suggests that the commercial building, which of course has been reduced uh, in scale, you've heard uh, from Mr Theobald about that to accommodate uh, the uh, difficulty uh, noted by the planning inspector with regard to the relationship to residential unit one. Um, you've heard from Councillor Dean that he regards this as a white elephant. That is not the view of my client. It's regarded as a perfectly sustainable uh, commercial proposal. If in due course uh, it's not the case, well then of course an application for planning permission is going to be required. That there's no need for any additional condition. Uh, if you grant planning permission, as I hope you do, the permission will be for a commercial building in that position. If there's to be any change, it'll have to come back before you in due course. So far as discussion is concerned, I would suggest that my clients have been entirely open, uh, have been prepared to discuss the proposals with the uh, Parish Council uh, and, and with, uh, with local people, and that they will continue to do so. So far as the Parish Council is concerned, the Parish Council would like to see an entirely different approach to the redevelopment of this area. It's not been demonstrated that that is feasible. What you have before you is an entirely feasible scheme, which in principle was found acceptable last year by a planning inspector, subject to two narrow points which have now been fully addressed, as Mr Theobald has reported, uh, and in my submission it would be entirely appropriate now to grant planning permission. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr Tag. Okay, members, over to you. Uh, Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Um, well, I know uh, it's been said that if there were a change uh, of use that it would have to come back to this committee. Um, could we have a condition on that? I mean, is it necessary? Because I, there are a lot of local concerns about that, and I would like the local people to be reassured that if it were to change, or if the applicant were to change the use, if it wasn't commercially viable, that it wouldn't turn into blocks of flats. And I actually think that's very important, and it will perhaps sway the way I vote. And then I will say what I wanted to say originally. Planning permission would be required to change the commercial units to any other use, residential or whatever use. So that would require a planning permission. So I would say, I would back up what Mr Daggs just said. A condition is not necessary because planning permission would be required. Right. Well, you said that So I can publicly. hopefully that's reassured members. Excuse me. <coughs> Could I just uh, come in on that to reinforce that by saying that condition 19 uh, restricts the use from commercial to residential without a further... Vector asked for. They have lowered the height of the uh, building, that, the three-storey, that was overbearing. All the garden sizes, they're larger than the Essex Design Guide call for. Parking spaces are 16 now, which is what we wanted originally. And I'm afraid, and I'd probably be hated, I can see no planning reason. And I believe if we went to appeal, we would lose. I can see no planning reason to refuse that this time. 
Thank you, Councillor. Councillor Riles. Just a quick, uh, a quick thing about the uh, change of use. Um, if the application does come in, will it be come to this committee or will it go to... It will be called in, no doubt. <laughs> it won't, as a matter of course, come to committee, but I, th I can't agree with the Chairman. I think it's inevitable that it would be called in. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Hicks. Um, I agreed with almost everything that Councillor Lachlan said. And I'd really just like to ask her, was that really a proposal to, um, uh, to grant this planning application? Well, I was brave enough. Yeah. I was waiting for somebody else. Because <laughs> if it was, I'll second it. Well, I'll, I'll make the proposal for um, approval, subject to the conditions as stated. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Hicks, seconded. Thank you. And uh, Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Uh, the developer has obviously clearly listened to the um, planning inspector and has addressed all of the issues, and that's very good. Uh, the one issue that was not required is the question of access onto Cambridge Road. I am completely in agreement with Councillor Lachlan on this. It is a singularly hazardous egress, not just to cars, but also to pedestrians, people using the pavement. And to me, that's a no-brainer. It doesn't really matter, to my mind, uh, what the um, laws may say. It's fairly clear, but I, I can see it in planning terms. It's very hard to find a reason now to turn this application down. But common sense dictates that it's still a very unsatisfactory access, and that has not been addressed. Thank you. Any further comments, councillors? Okay, then, well, uh, councillor Chambers. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Mr. Chairman, uh, uh, I, I do agree with Councillor Freeman and Councillor Lachlan. Uh, I'm not a planning expert, but I do think that it, where you have issues of public safety, and of course I'm talking about the access, <coughs> Councillor Lachlan did laughingly say, I hope it won't be her that's hit. It's not a case of being her that's hit. It's whether, whether somebody is injured or not. Anybody that knows Cambridge Road knows that there are always cars parked along there. So when, whenever it, a car comes out of there, then they're going to have cars parked there. And it's going to get worse rather than better. So very, very difficult. But yeah, I, I don't think you need to beat yourself up too much about that. Because um, remember, this was a commercial operation on this site and they used that entrance. And so uh, it's historically been used and could have been continuously in use since. But uh, yes, Councillor Lachlan. Sorry, uh, that's true, but it was, it was not used as this will be. There was an auction room that was only open a couple of times a week and a furniture store that closed probably because it wasn't viable. There was, there were very, there was very limited traffic coming out and it will, let's just make it straight. Although I have voted for it and I have given yeah, concerns yeah, about access, it was not by any means the same as this. I know what you're saying, but it is an existing access, and all accesses are subject to hazard. Fine. Okay. Councillor Lodge. Um, thank you. It is obviously a very, very difficult situation. Um, however, um, like Councillor Chambers, I think he mentioned before, I've been driving past it for upwards of 40 years. Um, I could not, in any uh, conscience, vote 
for this because it is fundamentally dangerous. Um, I don't think we've necessarily been given very good advice by Essex Highways. I think we need more and I will absolutely certainly vote against this and I would even um, exhort Councillor Lochlin to think again. Thank you. Councillor Lochlin? Because I know it will lose at appeal. If I thought it wouldn't, then I wouldn't be voting as I, I am. But I know that we will go to an appeal or a public inquiry. It will fail again. Um, the, the inspector has said that she could find two inspectors in actual fact. In fact, I believe it might be every inspector has never found any, uh, anything wrong with the access. And that is a problem. I know that and I know it's dangerous. Uh, and I have said that. But I think if we go to appeal, we'll lose. And it will cost everybody a lot of money and a lot of time and we will come out with the same result. It won't improve the access and it will just hold everything up again. This time I'm seconding this because I believe that the applicant has done everything he can to address everything he's able to do. He can't alter the traffic on Cambridge Road. Would that he could but he can't and uh, you know, it, I just think it will be a, a silly action to make this go away again and come back because it will come back with the same access again, believe me. Councillor Mills. Yes, I'd like to reiterate that, Chairman. I mean, I think that the danger for us, if we refuse again and we go to appeal, we'll get costs against us. And that could cost this council quite a bit of money. Um, I think this one's reached the end of the road for us now. And I think what's before us should be approved. On that note, then, we'll, uh, we have a proposal which has been seconded, so we'll go to the vote. All those in favour, please show. Six in favour. And those against? Three against. And that application is approved. The next item is application 162865. It's an application for outline planning consent and it's instanced again and once again Mr Theobald will make our presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Just uh, housekeeping before we start. Uh, we've received a, a late uh, third-party uh, rep from Stansted Parish Council, which is relating to the matters of highway safety and highway surface condition um, in relation to this particular scheme. Um, they put in a, a previous um, letter uh, of representation uh, saying the same thing so essentially nothing new is raised by this this additional representation um, where they're objecting to this this scheme now this outline application with all matters reserved except for access and scale relates to the redevelopment of this former gas holder site to provide for up to 10 dwellings comprising a terrace of eight two bedroom house units with undercroft parking and two one bedroom flats together with additional parking area and rear amenity provision with additional private communal area 
the latter which is to be agreed by a legal agreement or unilateral undertaking at reserved matter stage. Now, members will be familiar with this scheme because this was uh, subject to a committee uh, report um, last year when members, in fact, did a uh, site visit to this particular um, end of uh, lane location. Uh, members did refuse this scheme previously for up to 12 uh, units on matters of design and parking. Uh, that application was subsequently appealed and the appeal was allowed by the inspector. Um, I'll just come on to that in a, in a moment. And the dwellings as indicatively shown for the application submission as revised now would similarly have a two and a half storey profile and similarly have a ridge height of approximately nine metres and comprise two house types. And that gives you just the profiling and, and cross-section details. And members will recall walking down uh, the lane to the site from the railway station and that is a view down the slope from Braemar House to the end of the lane. That's looking across into the site where at the moment it's just an undeveloped piece of land which is subject to historical contamination. So that's the site context if members can recall. Uh, as I said, the site layout as shown very closely follows the residential site layout which formed the previous scheme. Um, but with the exception that this is now for two less dwellings than that previously refused. So it's for 10, up to 10, rather than up to 12. And as I was surmising, the planning inspector for that appeal reasoned that the refuse scheme was acceptable in terms of its impact on highway safety along Water Lane, where the lane would be widened for the length of the site. And you can see that where it's notated um, uh, here, so the, it would be widened from flank to flank, and that is similar to the previously refused scheme. Uh, that uh, the inspector considered there was sufficient land within the site for both parking provision and for amenity space, although uh, he did comment, rightly so, that these were reserved matters which fell outside the scope of that previous application. And similarly, the same situation applies for this revised outline application where the uh, consideration is only for access and scale. Therefore, that appeal decision has a material consideration which carries significant weight for the current revised application. So given that the inspector found that the previously submitted scheme for up to 12 dwelling units on the site was acceptable in principle, the currently revised scheme for up to 10 units, i.e. a net decrease of two units, remains acceptable in principle and in terms of scale, uh, where there would, as the planning inspector remarked for this uh, site, be a presumption in favour of sustainable development, which would make more efficient use of this previously contaminated site, and where in every other respect this submitted scheme before you remains virtually the same in terms of site layout and design as the scheme allowed on appeal. No objections have been received to the revised proposal from the statutory quantities, including County Council Highways, Ecology and the Environment Agency, subject to appropriate conditions, including compliance with flood risk measures, 
where there was a, a flood risk assessment put in for this revised scheme as before, uh, which also includes um, datum levels AOD for slab levels for dwellings to be complied with. Whilst environmental health have not raised any objections subject to contamination remediation conditions, obviously to, uh, um, uh, to negate the pollution risk on the site. Therefore, Chairman, uh, this application as revised for up to 10 dwellings is recommended for approval subject to the conditions attached to this report. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Theobald. We have one speaker who is the agent, Stuart Walsher. And you have three minutes, Mr Walsher. Uh, good afternoon, members, and thank you for allowing me the opportunity to address you. Uh, the submission of this application follows the approval of a similar scheme for 12 dwellings granted at appeal in November last year. This decision is a material consideration in the determination of this application. And it should be noted, therefore, that the planning inspector, when granting permission for 12 dwellings, considered that the scheme could be built in such a way that no harm would result to the character and appearance of the area. The proposed development could be built to provide adequate provision for both private amenity space and parking space. The proposed development would not be detrimental to highway safety. He did not raise any concerns in relation to flood risk and considered that the development would not result in any excessive overlooking or loss of privacy of neighbouring properties. As detailed within your officer's report, the application before you today proposes the erection of 10 dwellings, 8 two-bedroom units and two one-bedroom flats. Each dwelling can be provided with one parking space, with additional parking proposed to the side of the site. Each dwelling will also be provided with the required level of private amenity space. As with the approved scheme, the application only seeks to address access and scale, with pedestrian and vehicular access gained via water lane, and the scale of the buildings will be approximately 9 metres in height. This height will keep the ridge level at the similar point as the adjacent dwellings to the east and is no taller than previously approved. We have also again demonstrated that the site can successfully accommodate the development despite flood risk concerns. The principle of redeveloping the site has previously been considered by the Council and Planning Inspector therefore and the site has been considered as suitable for residential development. The site is highly sustainable and the proposal would provide for the safe redevelopment of a contaminated brownfield site. The proposal will be developed within five years with the provision of market housing seen as a significant social benefit to the settlement. The development would also provide a safer access route to and from the rail station and town centre helping to increase footfall and perceptions of safety for users. The development would result in a range of social, economic and environmental benefits to the settlement in the sustainable location. The MPPF provides express support for the principle of redeveloping contaminated brownfield sites in urban areas to provide housing. The principles and specifics of the application have been assessed by the Council's officers and consultees and have been found to be acceptable. I would encourage you, therefore, to agree with the detailed report put forward by your planning officers and if you have any concerns regarding issues which would be addressed through reserved matters, such as appearance, layout of landscaping, it is obviously in your gift to request that these subsequent applications be presented to you for consideration. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Mr Walsher. Okay, members, it's over to you. Comments, questions, uh, Councillor Mills. <coughs> Can we just clarify? So they got 12 at appeal. Why is it before us for 10? 
Yes, I, I think you'll find that's um, as a result of the requirement still for affordable housing contributions over and above um, 11 units, and therefore uh, it's, it's a risk, therefore commercial risk, and therefore reducing it to up to 10, but not, not in, over, that reduces that risk. <coughs> Any further comments? Questions? No? Well, we have a recommendation for approval, which I'm going to propose we accept. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Hicks, thank you. Do you wish to speak? Uh, no, thank you, Chairman. Thank you. Um, before we go to the vote, um, I'm conscious that we've got Stansted Brook at the rear, Mr. Brown. Um, if approval is given, could we send an informative to the applicant regarding the need to make sure that their processes of uh, clearance and construction do not lead to debris falling into the brook? Oh, that's an offence in the Environmental Act anyway, but it would be good that it didn't happen. It would be good. I think it would be a good idea to put an informative on just to highlight that to any, any developer that there is a the brook and appropriate measures would need to be taken place to prevent <coughs> any issues as opposed to just trying to enforce issues. So yes, we can put an informative on that basis. Thank you. Okay, then we'll go to the vote on this. All those in favour of approval, please show. It's nine in favour. Thank you. That matter is approved. We move on to our next application, which is uh, application 16-2597. It's an application for full planning consent in Elmden, and Mr Bentley will make our presentation. Thank you. The proposal is for a change of use of the public house to a licensed cafe with retail, alterations and repairs to the building, landscaping and a new cart lodge. It should be noted there's applications um, before the committee for both planning permission and listed building consent. Um, although the listed building consent only relates to the, the alterations and the repairs to the building. The site is located within um, the Elmden Conservation Area on Hayden Lane and it comprises a Grade 2 listed building and gardens. It should also be noted that the public house is an asset of community value. This is the block plan that sh this shows here. You can see um, the footprint of the uh, proposed cart lodge. This plan here shows the proposed ground floor plan should be noted that, um, as you may have seen in the committee report, um, we've asked for an amended plan for both the proposed and existing ground floor plans. That's been provided, and this is the amended <coughs> plan. It removes um, a window from the front elevation was it, that was included in error. This is the first floor plan. This is the roof plan. This is the front and northwest side elevation. This is the rear and the southeast side elevation. These are the, the plans for the cart lodge, so the floor plan and the roof plan. 
This, um, as you can see, would provide cycle parking, bin storage. And these are the elevations. This is just to give you some context. This is the front of the um, public house. This is the outbuilding which is um, proposed for the retail uses. This is an um, additional view of the front of the public house. This is the northwest side elevation. This is the rear elevation which shows um, the fairly recent addition which is the dining room. And this finally shows the uh, nearest neighbouring property, One Cross Hill. This adjoins, as you can see, the front garden area of the public house. Um, you should note that there's, um, in addition to the published report, there's a um, representation recorded in the, in the sub-reps. And in addition to this, there are some um, representations um, that have been received um, more recently. One is from an individual who is registered to speak, um, and another uh, we've got which is marked as private and confidential. In any case, um, we don't consider that these raise any new issues, so they, they cover the same points as, the, as those um, representations that are published. Um, the um, main issue um, with, with the planning application um, is whether the change of use is acceptable. Policy RS3 sets out tests that must be satisfied before services in rural areas, areas can be lost. Because the proposed use as a licensed cafe is similar um, to the lawful use as a public house and there will be no um, significant change in, in how it's used, it's not considered there will be any harm under this policy and therefore we don't think there's any need for those tests to be satisfied. We think that the, that, that policy, uh, sorry, we think that the proposal doesn't contradict the aims of that policy. Um, therefore it's recommended that the application is approved subject to conditions as set out in the report and we also, um, officers want to recommend an additional condition which is that um, the permitted change of use from A3 to A1 or A2 is restricted. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Bentley. Um, we have several speakers on this application, first of whom is Nick Elborn. You have three minutes, Mr. Elborn. Okay. Good afternoon, uh, and thank you for the opportunity to speak. Um, I'm speaking firmly against the application for change of use. Uh, as an Elmden villager and customer of the Elmden Dial and formerly the King's Head uh, since 1982, I also speak for many parishioners who are unable to attend this meeting due to work commitments. And in fact, in the rows behind me, there, there are, in spite of that, more than 20 Elmden villagers here um, who also uh, are against this uh, application. There's a centuries-old tradition and history of pubs in Eldon. In living memory, there have been at least four pubs in the village, and previously even more. While we need to look forward rather than back, down the ages, Eldon pubs have enjoyed, been enjoyed and appreciated by all, from Spitfire pilots to tractor drivers and city commuters. They have formed a vital link in village fellowship and life. And this has declined noticeably since the dial closed, and some village people I have not seen or spoken to since the closure. 
If this application is passed, this unique asset will be lost to the village, and not just for another year or few years, but forever. We will have overseen the irrevocable loss of something precious to the English way of life in Elmden, and it will be gone for good. This is far more than merely a personal wish. It's gone so much further than a nice-to-have. There is a strong feeling in the village that this should not happen. Even in these straitened times, more than £100,000 was recently pledged by villagers within a brief 24-hour period to keep the pub as a pub. A pub is not a cafe. A cafe is not a pub. Village meetings to discuss the pub have been packed. I recall one with well over 100 attendees. Unsurprisingly, there have been no village meetings thronged with locals demanding the opening of a hairdresser's or delicatessen. In fact, I have yet to see a single local person show a scintilla of interest or support for these possibilities. However, the Elmden Cricket Club has formally decided to use a reopened dial pub for all its post-match activities. Why the market demand essential for a successful pub is shown by the fact that Elmden is surrounded by villages all with thriving pubs, clearly a formula which is needed and widely enjoyed. On a practical note, Elmden has a well-run but very small village hall, and in the absence of a community facility large enough for village events, it is only the dial in its uh, current public house layout that can satisfy this need. Examples of such events are last night of the proms, apple pressing, Christmas events and so on. Furthermore, it's not only villagers and customers who are keen to see the pub reopen. Here today, we have Peter Hoskins, an extremely experienced and effective businessman and pub owner who has dedicated considerable effort towards buying the pub with the intention of reopening it and running it as a pub. So, at Elmden, all the key ingredients are there. The pub premises, strong community support, undoubted market demand and a highly suitable buyer. We recall with thanks and respect the previous landlord of the Dial. He did so much to modernise and improve Elmden's pub. His vision was laudable and we should be appreciative of what he achieved. But now it's time for us to move into the future and help ensure there is a clear way ahead for a vibrant, sustainable and successful pub in Elmden. The first and vital step towards this is the firm rejection today of this application. However, better than approval would be postponement of the decision and for reconsultation on account of the local planning authority's amendment to the application summary, particularly as the revised wording is likely to comprise the detail of development permitted by the permission. Can I ask you to wind up, please, Mr. Yep, Thank, Thank you. Thank you. I hope you are happy with that. Thank you. Our next speaker is Phil Kay. You two have three minutes, Mr. Kay. Right. Thank you for letting me speak. I apologise for my voice. I'll keep it short. I'm speaking as a committee member of the Elmden Community Group. As a group, we try to represent the views of the majority of villagers. Having put the current planning proposal documents to our members, no one is of the opinion that a cafe delicatessen and come hairdressers will serve the villagers' needs as well as a well-run pub. This is borne out by the fact that all the representations in response to the planning application were objections, with not one without one representation being received in support. We feel that the current application is purely a ruse to obtain a change of use to residential development further down the line. The various business options are surely not commercially viable in the long term, given the size of population of Elmden. 
we really do not understand the logic of pursuing dubious planning application for the change of use of a building which the vast majority of villagers, including the parish council, would like to keep as a pub, when in Peter Hoskins there is a very experienced and successful publican willing and able to buy it and run it as originally intended. Previously the pub had had a chequered history, mainly because it had been inadequately managed by previous owners and in some cases been deliberately run down. Run properly, it would be a great asset to the community and a meeting place for the whole village. You could no doubt argue that a cafe would fulfil the same function, but the atmosphere would be totally different with people staying for much shorter lengths of time. It would have a totally different and transient feel about it. We believe Peter Hoskins has all the right experience and drive to make the pub a success, and I think we should give him a chance to prove himself. It's not as if the council are taking any risks over its future performance, so I would say let the villagers have what they want. After centuries of having at least one pub in the village, I personally would hate to be known as a member of the generation who let, let this great British tradition die. We have lost enough pubs in the country as it is. I do acknowledge the hard work put in by the planning department regarding this application, and it does, on the face of it, tick a lot of criteria boxes, but there's far more to this than just ticking boxes. There's a very strong emotive and community feeling to be considered, and we feel that you, as our council representatives, should be considering the views of the majority of people who actually live in the village and who just wish to get our pub up and run again as a pub. I understand that Uttlesford District Council have stated that they will do everything in their power to protect the last pub in the community. Now is the time to prove it. Thank you, Mr. Kay. Our next speaker is Richard Williams. You've got three minutes, Mr. Williams. Thank you. Meeting and chair. I'm the pub protection officer for the national organisation CAMRA and the local branch. This pub, the Dial, was renovated and actually became one of our local pubs of the year not many years ago. Um, we're very, very uh, upset to learn of its demise. We feel that um, a pub has been converted to a cafe is a loss of community value, facilities, ambience, opening times and the facilities for games, socialisation and opening hours and meeting places for societies, those will all disappear if the uh, pub is turned into a cafe. And as uh, the previous speaker spoke, um, our understanding was there was an agreement in Uttlesford that the last pub in, in a village would never be closed. Admittedly, it's not being closed, it's turned into a cafe, but we consider that turning a pub into a cafe is, isn't very good. I was also concerned we haven't seen viability figures for this and they are confidential. Um, and that they do have a bearing on what, what's been enforced, I'm sure. Um, you've also, as been mentioned by other speakers, that there are, and there always has been, a, a string of people potentially wanting to buy or run this as a pub. And the viability of the pub as a pub has not been um, called into question. It certainly runs as a pub quite effectively, and we, want, we would like it to remain as a pub as a facility for, for passing cyclists, walkers and everything else that it used to do. Um, we hope that um, you will retain 
the use of a pub and realised that a, a cafe is not quite the same thing at all and could be, our suspicion could be a first step to try and denigrate the pub and turn it back into housing because that's not a suspicion beyond the, the stage of, the, of this because although, although that's a, a, a separate issue afterwards but um, once a facility like a pub has gone and it's no longer protected by the asset of community value in that sense we feel that it would disappear as a, as a function and if the, if the cafe stroke hairdressing delicatessen all fell into disrepute they will, then be want, they will want to then sell it on as, a, as housing which is, uh, would, would completely lose the facility and that's, that's another concern we have okay thank you very much thank you Mr Williams And our next speaker is Peter Hoskins. And you two have three minutes, Mr. Hoskins. Thank you very much. I represent Saffron Breweries. Last year we renovated the Bluebell at Hempstead, subject of an ACV and closed for a year. The public house now thrives and defies all logic for its previous closure. I know my colleagues at Camera will agree when I say that in most rural communities, the heart of the village is the local, not a cafe or a tea shop where customers remain particularly anonymous or for that matter a hairdresser's. The local typically opens all hours as a social hub where people from all walks learn to attune to village life caring and helping others and sharing an awareness of what needs to be done in their community. A place where births and marriages are celebrated and lives put to rest over a glass or two. Too many communities have lost or are losing their public houses and their identities. I welcomed, as many others, the pioneering spirit of Uttlesford District Council as it awarded more than its fair share of ACVs in an attempt to keep its villages alive. Imagine, if you will, the dismay of an entire community faced with the very real possibility of permanently losing its public house. I have read the Council's recommendations, I have seen numerous objections and I know the village have taken legal advice for postponement of the decision today. My objection, however, reaches out to the very heart of the issue. We have all witnessed people buying public houses at a discount in the very real hope, sometimes through circumstance, that they can in some way profit from a change of use to residential. The problem is not confined to Uttlesford. The ACV was designed as the ultimate protection, especially where there existed, a demonstrable will to keep a viable village asset open. I have attempted to buy the Elmdendal these last three years. I have spoken with numerous locals and have received their support reopening the public house, but have been particularly thwarted from doing so by a seemingly non-committal seller who has failed to detail her reasons for not selling the property, but has ultimately come up with an almost impossible timetable to complete. I have attended a number of meetings to discuss the same and exchanged numerous emails. Of late, I had hoped that there was a real will to sell, but despite all efforts, can only conclude that negotiations were merely confined to dotting I's and crossing T's in a process that makes a total mockery of this particular ACV and the spirit in which it was awarded. I am totally committed to the purchase of the property. I have the backing of the community. I am aware of the village is, is extremely keen to renew its relationship with its public house. 
I fear the application before you is no more than a first step in a process transparently designed to affect a gradual change of status to residential, the ultimate intention. For all these reasons, and for the very real reason you, you first agreed the ACV on the Andindar knee, the King's Head, can I urge you please to vote against the planning application today? Thank you. Thank you, Mr Hoskins. <clears throat> the next speaker is representative of the Parish Council, Ian Donaldson. You have three minutes, Mr Donaldson. Thank you. Um, in your packs there, you have the uh, objection from the Parish Council to this, uh, this planning application of October. Uh, we objected on a number of counts. Uh, first off, on marketing. We don't feel the marketing in the pub was open and transparent, as you've heard from Mr Hoskins. He has made several offers. Every time he's uh, made an offer, the, the request for the offer has changed. She, she won't sell it. Um, we, viability. There is no call in the village for hairdressers or a delicatessen. As you know from the objections, most of the villagers have objected to this. That tells you alone that this will fail. We see this as a smokescreen that some future date to be able to demonstrate there are four failed businesses and get a change to residential. And we believe uh, the past management really weren't successful. They had no previous uh, experience in running a pub, and that showed. Apart from that, we've read the planning officer's um, report on, on the application, and we've been taking some legal advice, and we do have some, some issues uh, w with the, uh, the planning officer's report. First off, we also, we've noticed that the summary of the application was changed on the planning website. Uh, the application was originally made in September, and recently the uh, summary changed. That's a procedural mistake, particularly as that changed the detail that's a change to the detailed wording that would appear in a resolution to grant. We see that as a serious flaw. The planning officer there said that uh, it doesn't contravene planning policy RS3. We disagree. We think that opinion is flawed. He says it's not considered that there's any requirement for the proposal to satisfy the criteria in local plan policy RS3. Um, the reason, he says, is there is not a significant enough difference to cause harm through loss of community facility. Policy RS3 and its criteria have to apply whether it's a change of use of a specific community facility even to another type of community facility. The purpose of policy RS3 is to protect specific community facilities, particularly public houses, and the extent of difference between the current facility and the proposed facility is irrelevant, particularly when there's a change of use application. There is no express provision in policy RS3 that states that the policy and criteria do not apply to changes from one type of community facility to another. Indeed, the starting point under the planning legislation in this case is that there is a change of use as expressly stated in the summary of the application. The purpose and efficacy of policy RS3 depend on its application whether there is a change of use application under the planning le legislation. The purpose of policy RS3 is not to enable new acceptable community facility uses to be permitted under planning legislation. It is to protect the existing relevant community facility, in this case a public house. Further, the substantial number of responses from village residents, in fact probably most of them, indicate the extent to which villagers regard the difference between the current public house use and proposed use as material. This is best evidence as to the materiality of the difference. We believe policy RS3 applies and the test as referenced for planning officer in paragraph is, is wrong. There also is inconsistency between paragraph 1010, um, where it states that it is not considered that there is any requirement for proposal to satisfy the criteria in local plan RS3, and the conclusion B, where it states the proposed change of use would be acceptable and accord with planning policies RS3. Secondly, confidential information relating to public houses' viability and marketing was submitted. We don't believe that should be confidential. We believe it is vital 
for the Elmden community and the general public's assessment as to whether paragraph 8.5 of the local plan has been met to have a view of that. Policy RS3 expressly states a change of use will only be permitted where it can be demonstrated. The policy requires there is demonstration. How can we demonstrate that if we can't see what, what is being submitted? Would that material be available in any appeal or judicial review? We believe it would. And lastly, I've been sitting here for an hour and a half looking at all these various plans before this, and they're all about energising... Could you sum up pretty quickly, yeah, please? Yeah, they're all about energising the community. Approval of this plan would actually do the opposite. It would destroy the community. The community want a pub. There ha is and has been viable offers for the pub at the price demanded by the seller, and every time the offer has been made, she has refused to sell, one way or another. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Donaldson. Um, our last speaker is the agent, Julie Barnes. And under our rules, Mrs. Barnes, I can give you 12 minutes, but I'm not sure whether you'll need that long. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, Councillor Members. The Elmsden Dial is a Grade II listed building which has been listed as an asset of community value. The property is currently vacant and has not been operating as a public house for some time. A copy of the current owner's summary of accounts was submitted to the authority as part of the planning permission application and they confirm that over the last 10 years the business has continued to operate at a significant loss with substantial liabilities. The accounts conclude that the use of the Elmsden Dial solely as a public house is not financially viable. The asset of community value limits the use of the property to a public house only, and to ensure the continuation of the Elmden Dial as a commercial venture, it will be necessary to extend the business use of the building. Therefore, after consultation with the planning department, an application for planning permission and listed building consent has been made for a change of use, which is necessary under the planning rules for a licensed calf, shop, delicatessens and hairdressers, which will make the venture financially viable. The applicants are enthusiastic in their intention to create a convenial destination somewhere special for the residents of Elmden and the surroundings, a destination that people enjoy and want to return to with the provision of good quality food and drink, encouraging the use of local food produce. It is proposed that the local produce served in the licensed caft, together with a range of food staples will be sold in the delicatessens. It is also proposed to convert one of the rooms located to the side of the Elmsden Dial to a hairdresser as part of the commercial venture. The change of use will enable the applicants to sensitively and sympathetically repair and improve the facilities at the Elmsden Dial. Without the change of use, the financial viability of the Elmsden Dial being run as a public house is very much in doubt. It cannot continue to operate at the substantial losses that it has accrued. With the proposed change of use to a licensed calf, delicatessen and hairdresser, it will still be possible to purchase a delicious meal and drink in a sympathetically restored building, but the diversification of the use of the building will ultimately ensure that it is both a commercial and financial success, a place where locals and visitors can meet and socialise. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs Barnes. Uh, members, before we start discussing this, uh, Several issues uh, arose there in the, re in the presentation, the representations. Um, I'm going to ask Mr. Brown to just summarise, if he would, on a couple of those aspects. Um, the ACV, the RS3 and 
anything else he's made a note of. Thank you. <clears throat> I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty details of assets of community value. That may come later in the debate. But just to say the, the, presence, the fact that this pub is a, an asset of community value is the reason why we have an application. Uh, because the, what the assets of community value is, does various other things in terms of restrictions on sales, but we'll worry about that later on. Um, in terms of what it basically means, a permitted development to change of use, which this would have been if it's not been an, an asset of community value, means that a planning application has had to be submitted and we have to determine it. I should also add on the converse to that. If it wasn't an asset of community value, then there would have been a permitted development change, but they would have had to notify us for us to give the opportunity to register it as an asset of community value. So that's why we're here. So the asset community value is working as a process because it's, it's down to you to make that decision. The status of RS3 um, is an important one. It's an important debate. We should also add that this is a, this is a, condition, this is a policy that's been in place before assets of community value came in place and before we had ongoing uh, pr um, policies, national policies for retaining last facilities. And, but it does a very good job in terms of the change of use of community facilities such as shop, post office, public houses, garages, doctors, dentist surgeries and village halls will only be permitted where it can be just demonstrated that. And then there's a criteria which goes through viability, uh, appropriate marketing, etc., etc. And it is a moot point what the uh, parish council uh, said in terms of whether or not one leads to the other, whether or not you have to go through that viability discussion before you consider a change of use. What officers are considering is that the change of use from a public house to a licensed cafe and other facilities still retains it as a community facility. So therefore we don't need to go down, in officers' opinion, the viability and marketing route. So we haven't gone down the viability marketing route. I'll correct the agent speaking before. We haven't assessed the criteria and it hasn't been proven that it's not viable. We haven't gone through that discussion. And the viability of the pub has not been considered. So we have not gone down to that next stage. So at the moment, members' consideration is whether they feel the change of use is an appropriate change of use and still retains it as a community facility. Officers think it does. We think it's put in a suitable change of control on it so it doesn't end up being lost to become an estate agent or to become a, a, something else that's not, that's not a community facility. So, we've, that the additional, so that is the first discussion. I think we do need to do this step by step. If members don't feel that it is suitable enough, then you would then need to go, you need to instruct officers to go, go away, defer it. I would say rather than refuse it on the basis of RS3, that, that, that it is deferred and then goes off for us to make those discussions with the applicant. And that will then take into account issues about whether it's been appropriately marketed. At the moment, we are saying the marketing, of the, the marketing and the viability of the current facility or the previous facility, which has now been closed for, I think, three, three, three years now, um, is, is not a material consideration in terms of our consideration of this, it, because we feel that the, the, the change of use still retains it as a community facility. And uh, I'll leave you to that, and we're happy to chip in with other questions, because I'm sure there will be other questions. Thank you, Mr Brown. Uh, Councillor Chambers. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Mr Chairman, it's been my privilege to represent Wendon Lofts, including Eldon, for the last X number of years. A long time. <laughs> in that time, I've had quite a lot of experience to do with local pubs. If any of you can remember, there used to be a pub in Dudno End called The Woodman. The Woodman 
applied for change of use and after this was after it had been run down. Now obviously the locals were against it, including me, but unfortunately in those days, and I'm talking about some years ago, um, we hadn't got our act together and to be fair in a small hamlet like Dudno End it was very difficult to keep it viable. So the pub was closed, sold off, house bought, pub mainly to a residence. Sorry but this is very yeah, important. You carry on. Within 12 months the person who owned the woodman also owned the red cow in Crystal and tried to do exactly the same. Only this time I persuaded the district council that this could not continue. There again the villagers in Crystal were very much against the closure of the pub, put their hands in their pockets and said that they would help to buy the pub. We changed our policy then so that if there was only one public house left in the village, we as a district council would try and make sure that we kept it as the hub. The pub as the hub. That is very important. Now, if you look at policies in here where we, we get some of this piffle about uh, a cafe and a, a delicatessen and hairdressers, that's not what village life is about. Do the officers want to kill off village life? I don't think so. They have a professional job to do. But we too, as councillors and local residents, have a responsibility to our village to keep the one facility we have got left. Times do change. You have to change with the times. I think that's been mentioned in the report or whatever it is. But you don't want to take the pub away, which is the hub of the whole village. Now, much has been said about the viability or what have you of the pub. I don't agree with uh, Mr Brown. I don't think we should defer this because I don't think there's any need to defer it at all. I can, you've been quoted by and the good people of Elmden have mentioned most of what I could have said but you've only got to look at the Yaks and Compass at Arxton been owned by the same person for more than 30 years was full the first day he opened and is full every day now 30 years later the King William IV in Hayden where I was brought up was what I call an old fashioned pub Slops on the floor, the dog with its nose hanging up in the air waiting to catch it. Uh, a real old-fashioned pub. 30 years ago, or 25 years ago, that changed hands and has had the same person there and is just as viable as it was 25 years ago. What I'm trying to say is we have the opportunity now with the gentleman who's had guts enough to come and speak to the committee today who wants to buy the pub at an above price, above market price, to actually give the pub a go and put it into a public house and a restaurant, and even more importantly, a meeting place for the village. 
Now, if you look at the, what the government is trying to do, and this isn't politics, when you start talking about localism and you start talking about devolution, surely this is what it's all about, is actually giving back the opportunity for villagers in particular to actually do something to support their community. So I would totally disagree with you. I would say that RS3 is important and it, does, it doesn't explicitly mention anything apart from public houses. Now, I, I think that what we have got to do here is to listen to local people. I don't think I've ever known so many people who were against um, an application. Any application in 36 years, that's a long time and a lot of people have changed. So I would say to the committee, I urge you please, I want to propose refusal of this uh, and I would like to ask you to support me in keeping the one pub left in Elmden as a community asset. If that's a, fo a formal proposal, formal then you'll need a uh, planning reason behind it. Uh, uh, and I'm saying RS1, RS3, this is not like me, NPPF. Can I say that again? RS3. RS3, RS1. Yeah, there's something there as well. <laughs> Can I just advise members on that? We have not assessed. We have had financial details submitted as part of this application, but we did not feel it was necessary to interrogate them so to because, we, because of what I've said earlier. So to refuse it on the basis of RS3, I would feel would be dangerous. And my, rec my recommendation, if that's the route you want to go down, which I would respect, because you're actually saying we would need to go down and check their viability and check the marketing, etc., would be to defer it to allow us to do that. And then we would do that. Because I think it, to refuse it on the basis of RS3, it's saying it's unviable. And we, we haven't tested that. And we haven't given you that information either. Because it's a confidential issue. You would have had pink papers in front of you with, with, with confidential issues, which you haven't got. And you will be assessing it on the basis of it. We're actually saying it's not necessary to actually assess those things at this very moment in time. If, you've, if you're of the mind to disagree with that, my mind would be to defer it to allow us to do that, if that was what members wanted to do. Mr Chairman, sorry, I just need to come back, if I may, is that um, the officers haven't looked at that. That is not, to me, the, the, the material consideration here. We are talking about the one facility left in the village. Now, I will say, as I have said on many occasions, I'm not a planning expert, it's up to the planning officers to come up with a refusal. Why? Not me. I'm being perfectly honest with you, but... Okay, right. Uh, yeah, we, we, okay, we've got that proposal, so we will need a seconder for that to move on. We've all got hands everywhere. Richard Freeman... Uh, sorry, Councillor Freeman was first. Did you wish to speak, uh, Councillor Freeman? Yes, thank you, Chairman. Uh, I agree with everything that's been said so far. There are various tests if you wish to unmake a pub, and this application appears to have failed on all of those, or at least there is no evidence to support it. Uh, first of all, the property has to be advertised in the appropriate place for a minimum of 12 months. 
it may have happened, but we haven't been told that's happened. I don't believe it has. Uh, the market value has to be advertised at the market value as a pub, not the market value as a private dwelling, Category 2 listed in a rather lovely village. Uh, there is a very big difference in terms of the value of a pub, which is closed, uh, and a Category 2 dwelling in a village. Uh, and so I would say that it has, well, obviously that hasn't yet happened. Uh, and we also clearly need to look at the viability aspect, although it's difficult to test the viability of a business which has been out of trading for three years. Very difficult. On the other hand, if there is an interest from people who know what they are talking about in this trade, uh, then I would take that as sufficient indication. We call it entrepreneurialism, I think, or something like that. So I think that th at least we should give this a chance. The problem is that quite often things like this happen, and then, six months down the line, you're actually not any further forward. So I would say if we too turn this planning application down, change of use uh, today, then it's very important for people to get their act together to actually make this happen as a new village pub. And the problem I have there is that you cannot force somebody to sell. And if the vendor doesn't want to sell it to uh, a purchaser who would run it as a pub, that seems to me to be an impasse. I don't have an answer <coughs> to that. But in the first instance, I'd be very happy to second, I am very happy to second Councillor Chambers' recommendation, proposal, that we turn down this application. I think that is the right thing to do. Thank you, Councillor. Did you want to yeah. say something? Yeah. I would strongly advise members to defer it on that basis because I think to refuse it on that basis. I fully respect what Councillor Freeman's just said, um, but I, we, we, you have not had the opportunity to, to look at this information that's been provided. Um, I should also add there's been lots of talk about this change into a dwelling. That's not the proposal in front of us now at all. Um, and also there is the issue about the asset of community value and in terms of the person not only doesn't have to sell, the person is able to sell it to whoever they feel wish. In terms of the way the community asset works, um, there was an opportunity once it became an asset of community value in February 2016. The way that it works is that that needs to be available. Before, if you give a notice that you are intending to sell, you need to make it available to the community to sell, and that's a six-week period for the community to purchase it. In February 2016, there was no takers from the community or on behalf of the community. So that particular part has been tested. Um, that will roll forward now until August. If, if, if we get to August without it being sold, then there is a, there's, that, that would be kicked back in again. But my strong advice to you would be to defer it. Right, thank you, Mr. To assess the, the, the stuff that's thank been you, Mr. Brown. Before we get to that state, um, I've had hands up all round. I just want to make sure everybody has a chance to uh, bring anything they want to the table. So I'll start with Councillor Lodge. Uh, thank you, Chairman. Uh, start off by saying I agree with every word the Councillor Chambers has said. Um, that will cause hysteria in parts of the audience. Um, however, I'd just like to concentrate on one particular area, and that is the marketing of the, uh, of the pub 
for uh, a period of 12 months at, at um, a value which, which uh, represents uh, its use as a public house. And I speak, speak here as someone who has um, owned and run a number of pubs in the district, um, and I currently own uh, pubs in other parts of the country. Um, I have some feeling of what I'm talking about. I think I know what I'm talking about. Uh, what I can say is that I also have a, a good understanding of the value of that building as a pub. I feel most strongly that it has not been marketed at that value. It's been marketed at a, an overvalue, and I think the numbers I've seen for the purchase that uh, may have been proposed uh, is actually an overvalue. I think they've failed completely on that criterion and um, I very much support turning it down at this stage, which I think that is on RS3. Thank you very much. Um, Councillor Lachlan, I had you next. Well, I, I found this quite difficult. I, I actually agree because uh, I represent uh, a village that has a pub that has recently been made into uh, um, a community asset. It's had three different landlords and they've all failed. Um, and it's not because they didn't work hard or uh, it's just that people, you know, alcohol is expensive. People can't afford to go to the pub every day like they used to and sit around the fire and spit and do whatever they used to do. But now you've got to... Well, yes, they used to have spittoons. Don't go to the pubs you go to. <laughs> well, or eat crisps then, sorry. Just yeah. the Irish, yeah. and eat crisps. Eat crisps. Um, but um, having said that, I mean... Uh, it is the hub of the village. I would prefer to have seen this deferred. What I have found very difficult is I have no information in front of me. I'm not a bank manager. I'm on the planning committee. But what I don't want to see uh, is if we don't defer this and we don't see these figures, that the, whoever owns it may you know, be even more uh, determined not to sell it. And it won't, nothing will happen and it will go. And I would hate to see that. Um, so, I mean, I, I will go with everybody else. I can't find my glasses. Uh, on RS3, uh, I do think we have a good reason because uh, to refuse to go against the officers because everything is there in front of us. And it does say um, the facility is no longer financially viable. Well, we can't say because the information has been confidential. Uh, we perhaps would have that information, as uh, Mr. Brown said, if it was on pink paper. And it we don't know. So we're just having to go on hearsay and what the officer says. We've nothing here to prove that's right or wrong. So I, I don't feel easy about that. So I'm, I'm finding it very hard, um, you know, to sort okay. of come, come to terms with that. Right. I'll go, I'm going the order I've written them down. I've got. Councillor Wiles next. I think everybody's covered most of my uh, thoughts, I think, on this. Um, on viability, um, I think it's, you know, there's lies, damn lies and statistics, and I'm sure somebody could come up with some figures, a clever accountant, to make it not look viable anyway. So I'm not too sure, even if we do defer it, and we do that test of viability, is going to result in what we actually want to do at the end of the day. So um, my thought is, um, maybe I could pat it back to Mr. Brown to say, what other reason can we use to turn this down that doesn't need to worry about relying on RS3? You are relying on RS3, to be honest. And RS3, if you feel that that's strong enough a reason to refuse it on, Councillor Chambers has come up with 
valid reasons to refuse it on. My advice is refuse it next month for RS3 once you've, given, once you've looked at the marketing strategy and the financial details that have been provided. I, I do agree with what you've just said about the, the – I think it's more than what Councillor Lodge said, absolutely about what Councillor Lodge said about the marketing strategy. Is it the right price? Have there been offers? Have those offers been seriously pursued? We've got some of that information, and if we haven't, we can get more of that information because that's the critical issue. And I would like to see that in pink papers around your desk before you refuse it from RS3. We may be in a position, once we've assessed it, that we would be recommending it because you have said you need to go to the next stage. And if we go to the next stage and look at it, we can look at it and say, actually, we agree with you, the marketing strategy hasn't been sufficient. Our view is the marketing strategy is irrelevant. You're now telling me, in your view, that it is relevant. And, it, and it's a very, very grey line. So I think what you will be looking at will be the marketing strategy in front of you, rather than the viability issues, because I agree totally what you've just said about the figures. But it's more or less, has it been offered for the right price, for the right time, and what's happened to any offers? Because okay. we're here today that there have been offers. Councillor Hicks. Thank you, Chairman. Um, my instinct is to um, join with Councillor Chambers in his view of the uh, weather uh, of this application generally, but um, I am concerned about the um, risk of um, a refusal leading to an appeal which will achieve the um, which might very well, if Mr. Brown is right about um, RS3 not really having a very strong case, then it could mean it would go the way that he doesn't want anyway. So I'd really uh, like a little more advice on of the two options whether uh, to postpone a decision on this is in the way that uh, Mr. Brown has recommended or whether to go for refusal. Which of those is more sensible for, for those of us who um, don't wish to see this change of use but, um, 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 but um, are looking for the right path to follow? I think time is not necessarily of the essence here. In fact, it's the opposite. It's we need to make, take time to make the right decision. Um, if it's deferred today, it's not approved, and I'm not into asking members to hold back and not make a decision. Um, but I think there is a reason. I mean, I shouldn't be really feeding you a reason, but to properly assess the marketing strategy, financial details that have been submitted is what I would sufficient. You may see it in front of you. Council Lodge may, may be aware of what that marketing strategy is, because he may have... You know, because if you're involved in that particular area, you may be aware of it. But the fact is, if you've got that information in front of you, you can make an informed decision. And my view is it, it may end up being the, right, the same decision as what you're making, that you're moving to do now. But one month is not going to make a lot of difference in the big scheme of things. Councillor Mills. <coughs> I fully agree with what you just said, actually. It's, it's a test on the viability. I mean, if, if what we get then proves that it's not viable, we're not going to change our decision, I don't think. And therefore, it will come before us in future. So in that case, for the tick box okay. exercise as such, we will uh, certainly uh, go with a, a deferral um, and just see where we go with that. Okay, I know that's not what you've got in front okay. of you. Councillor Freeman, unless you've got something new to add, I just wanted to just have everyone have a chance. So you're all right on that. Just very briefly, Chairman, if we are going to analyse the trading figures, and they are three years out of date in the sense that, you know, so I, think I, I still hold by my original statement, if somebody skilled in the trade is willing to take this on, that I would regard as significant asset, uh, a tick in the box, 
um, three years old figures from somebody who didn't know how to run a pub may not be. But I think the figures should be looked at by somebody who themselves are skilled in the art because uh, running um, a public house is uh, a highly skilled process and whoever analyses those figures I suggest needs to be somebody with experience in so doing. It's not a straight accountancy okay. exercise. Okay, yeah. okay thank you. Um, from my point of view, I just, I've got a lot of sympathy with what everyone's been saying, the representations we had and everything else. Just conscious of the fact that we are being asked to change the use of a licensed premises to a licensed premises. Now, I don't see that we achieve anything by refusing it because licensed premises is a licensed premises. It's entitled to sell alcohol and it's entitled to serve food. And that's what the premises has a license to do now and that's what it would have a license to do in the future if the change of use were approved. Anyway, I'm going to propose that we defer this application for the purpose of being able to properly assess the marketing strategy and financial details um, and we want those submitted for our consideration. Does that find a seconder? Thank you, Councillor Chambers. Would you second that? No, you've already, sorry, Councillor Lockman, you're going to second that. Thank you very much. So as we now have that proposal, we'll go to the vote on deferment. All those in favour, please show. Four, four in favour. All those against? Four against. And an abstention? Thank you. One abstention. So I have to make a casting vote and therefore this matter will be deferred for one month for the purposes of the uh, stated in the proposal. Thank you. We're now going to have a break, um, partly for comfort, the nature calls, but also to get the technical side sorted out because we seem to have lost the uh, screen.
Right, court back in session. Um, the next application on the list. Ah, oh, just in time. That's right. I was going to. Find it. Is application one six stroke two five nine eight is a listed building application for the dial at Elmden, and I'm going to propose that um, we defer this in the light of the fact that we defer the other application, and therefore, do we really want to talk about alterations to a listed building, which may be no effect? I'll second it, Mr Chairman, and no discussion. Thank you very much. So we'll go straight to a vote on deferment. All those in favour of deferment, please show. Nine in favour. Fine, thank you. That matter is deferred. Next application is application 162404. It's an application for full planning consent in Great Hallingbury, and Mrs Jones will make our presentation. Thank you. Um, the application, this application relates to a site, um, sorry, this site is outside development limits at Anvil Cross to the southwest of Great Hallenbury. The M11 borders the, bounds the west of the site. There is a livery stable business to the northeast of the site. There's a paddock beyond the southern boundary and residential housing to the south. The road to the front of the site also serves a local school and provides access to Hatfield Forest and is a through route to Hatfield Broad Oak. 40% of the site is woodland. The proposal is for the use of the land as a burial ground. The proposal includes the erection of a facilities stroke service building, the formation of a new internal road and widening of an existing access road, car parking and associated landscaping. This slide shows the original application as submitted which was for 1,200 burial plots, a service building and parking for 19 vehicles. This has been revised several times and is now for 693 plots, parking for 57 vehicles and erection of a service building. The woodland to the north and northwest of the site is an important landscape feature and apart from the widening of the existing access, will remain and this here is the existing access. The service building would be single storey of traditional design, have a pitched roof clad with clay plain tiles and the walls would be externally clad with timber. It would have a seating capacity of 69. This is an aerial view of the site. Um, this here is the site area, so that's the Bat southern boundary. Um, this here is the unclassified road and the access is here. Um, this is uh, the part of the site where the burial plots, parking and service building would be located. 
this shows that adequate visibility displays can be achieved by an appropriate condition. The applicant has stated that it is anticipated that a maximum of two services will be held each week, but it is considered that this needs to be reinforced by a condition if approved. It is important that in view of the site's location that there are no back-to-back -back services, as this could have an impact on highway safety. This slide shows that the access the road and necessary drainage to overcome environmental agencies and the SUDS team's earlier objections can be overcome. And then here's some more photographs just of the site to familiarise you. This is the entrance from Church Road onto the unclassified road, referred to as Howe Green Road in the report. This is views from the north, the access is down here. And this is views from the south with the access being up here. That is the existing access that would be widened and that's from looking from in within the site out. That's the inside of the site which is mainly grassland. This shows the two access points. That's a further photograph of the access. And then there's just various photographs showing what the site is like within the boundaries. It's been used for fly tipping and more views around the edges. Um, the, this site here is the paddock to the south, south of the site. And that's the view from the M11 showing you the boundary treatment from on the western side, boundary of the site. Um, the existing woodland um, will be enhanced by sowing of wildflower mix and there'd be additional planting along the southern and western boundaries. The proposal is recommended for approval subject to conditions as set out in the agenda. Thank you, Mr. Jones. Uh, no speakers, members, so over to you. Comments, questions? Councillor Mills? Um, just a couple of points for clarification. So all of the woodland stays, Madeline, does it? There's no trees being removed? There are some trees being removed right. um, for the, to widen the access. Okay, so just through the access area. There's, there's two trees being um, removed in the access and there's some um, insignificant planting at the front of the access for the um, visibility displays. Okay. But okay, virtually all of it is staying. Yes. Okay, and the second point is, are there gates going on the entrance here? In other words, how are they going to secure this? Because it's really remote. Um, if we're going to put a car park with no sort of attendees in the back there, we're sort of creating a, a little bit of an area where people could gain access to it very easily and the, there's no um, security to it. The plans indicate that there will be... Um, Lockable gates. ...some gates there. They haven't given any details of gates, but what we've done is conditioned that they have to be a certain distance from the entrance and opening... Um, inwards. Okay, and can I just clarify, so you're going to condition as two services maximum a week? But it's been conditioned, no, it, the condition says that there would be um, no more than one service a day 
and that they'd be between 10 and 3 o'clock. Okay. It's, it's the applicant, so no more than one it's a the day. applicant who said that there would be no more than two a week. Okay. If we get the plague, it could obviously increase. Yeah. One, one a day is easier to monitor than two a week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Any further? This is right under the flight path, by the way, but you know, it's not an issue, really. It's, noise is not an issue. No. <laughs> If we get noise from within the site, then we start to worry, don't we? Right. Okay, in uh, light of no comments forthcoming, uh, we have a recommendation for approval with conditions. I'm proposing we accept that. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Mills, thank you. Uh, all those in favour, please show. Eight in favour. Uh, any against? One against. Fine, thank you. That application is approved. The next application is 16-3394, application for full planning consent at Newport, and Mr Mills is the start of his trio of applications. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Okay, so the site is located off Cambridge Road, Newport. It comprises an area of previously undeveloped land on which development has been commenced in accordance with the planning permission for 34 affordable homes. That's the approved layout there. Um, the, the proposal is to vary the wording of condition 13 of the planning permission, which relates to accessible design. As suggested in my report, the proposed wording would continue to satisfy the quoted reason for the condition. It is therefore recommended that the variation be approved. Thank you, Mr Mills. Do we have any questions, uh, councillors? Oh, sorry, I do beg your pardon. Oh, we have one speaker on this application who's been waiting patiently all afternoon. That's Ulrika Macariello. <laughs> And you have as long as you like. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I, I keep it in the three minutes, hopefully. Um, Mr Chairman, members, uh, you know me. I'm Ulrika Macariello from Hasto Housing Association. So following your uh, approval of the Rural Affordable Housing Scheme in Newport last year in January, uh, we've entered into a build contract with Marfleet Construction, and the building is now underway on, on the site. Um, shortly after we let the build contract and as part of the construction design, we realized that we had difficulties meeting condition 13 of the planning consent. The scheme as it was consented is designed to lifetime home standard and 5% of the dwellings to UDC's SPD on accessible homes and place space. Even though our planning application was submitted in July 2015 and therefore after the updated planning practice guidance, the new building regulations did not take effect until 1st of October 2015. And at no point were we made aware by Uttlesford Planning Department that they would adopt this new approach for the scheme at Newport. 
I would ask members to consider that there is guidance on introducing local standards contained in the, in the NPPF, and in particular, that local planning authorities should set out their policy in local standards, on local standards in their local plan, and that any affordable housing or local standard requirements that may be applied to a development should be assessed at the plan-making stage. The actual fact is that the consented scheme prohibits achieving the space standards required to comply with the Condition 13. We, there, we therefore have a direct conflict between the consented scheme and the requirements as currently set out in Condition 13. The proposed amendment does, however, still ensure that 5% of the dwellings are wheelchair accessible and that all the rest will comply with lifetime homes, which are the published reason for Condition 13. <coughs> As an affordable housing provider, we include lifetime homes as part of our own standard, even when there is not a requirement by the local authority. We ourselves are in the process of updating our own standards to reflect the new Part M4 requirements, but this is implemented on schemes that are starting the design process now. In summary, I hope that members will see that HASTA is not trying to negate or reduce the standards of the approved scheme, but the, that we want to deliver the scheme to the standards that were relevant at the time of the plan-making stage and which is in line with all our previous delivered schemes in Atlasford. Any change to the consented scheme that would be necessary to comply with the current Condition 13 would delay the much-needed affordable housing scheme and increase the cost unnecessarily. Thank you. Sorry, members, it's over to you. Uh, questions or comments? Councillor Lachlan? Well, put your microphone on so we can hear you say that. Thank Sorry, you I recommend approval. Thank you very approval much. I find a second there. Councillor Chambers, thank you. Councillor David, did you wish to speak? Or you was? No, I was just seconding or trying to. Okay. I think you need to stick your hand out left to catch my attention. Thank you. Okay, all those in favour, please show. It's nine in favour. That application is therefore approved. Thank you. Right, the next application on our agenda is application 16-3394, application for full planning consent in Great Chesterford, and Mr Mills again on the presentation. Thank you. Sorry. The site is located at the corner of Carmen Street and Jackson's Lane in Great Chesterford. It comprises part of the garden serving the Dells. The proposal is to erect two detached houses and associated garages, which would utilise an existing vehicular access. Show it here with the cursor. The existing property would use an existing alternative access, which is further up here. Plot 2, so that's this one here, would face Carmen Street and the historic buildings of the conservation area, while Plot 1, shown here, would face Jackson's Lane and more modern housing. These separate character areas have informed the designs of the respective plots. Plot 2 would have a traditional appearance. while plot one exhibits a more contemporary design. So 
Since the report was published, the Highway Authority has removed its objection and a further representation has raised concerns regarding road safety, overdevelopment and loss of privacy. The Highway Authority's comments reinforce the assessment in my report and the representation raises matters which have already been considered. It is therefore recommended that planning permission be granted. Thank you, Mr Mills. Uh, we definitely do not have any speakers on this application, so members, it's over to you. Any comments, questions? Councillor Lodge. I am a bit, a bit mystified. We had, a, we had a firm position from highways, and um, we, we know how hard it is to get highways to, uh, to object to a scheme. Um, here they did. Uh, so you, you, you've got to believe that there's something really nasty about it if they eventually do um, object. And then suddenly, I think there's a one-liner here, we've withdrawn it. Could, could we have an explanation, please? Uh, yes, Mr Mills, I think it's quite simple. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah that's fine. Um, it derives from a slight misunderstanding on the part of the Highway Authority at the beginning. Um, they thought that it was going to be two additional properties utilising an access that they deemed to be unsuitable. I'll go back to this original plan here. Um, actually, what you can see here, so this access, hopefully you can see here with the cursor, currently serves the Dells, also an annex here known as Hayloft Cottage, and it also provides access to paddock land to the rear. Um, as part of the proposal, that route through would of course be closed because you'd have a new dwelling in the place there. So the actual net increase in vehicle movements, in fact, would not be a net increase. You've basically still got the same level of movements going through that access. Um, the, yeah, the properties, the, the Dells, the Hayloft Cottage and the Paddocks, are all, all have separate accesses which can currently be used and would then be relied upon. So it's on the basis that use of the access would not be intensified. The Highway Authority has agreed that there would be no adverse effects on road safety as a result of this proposal. Okay. That clear? Yep. Okay. Councillor Chambers. Thank you. Mr Chairman, do I have to declare an interest as I was on the Cabinet with Councillor Bridfern? I don't believe so. But, um, Mr Lyle can advise? Uh, no. Thank you. Thank you. That. <laughs> right. Any further comment, questions, councillors? Councillor yeah. Yeah, I, um, we, I, if, unless I'm wrong, we haven't had a site visit to this, have we? I, uh, I find it difficult to envisage. Le leaving aside the access, just the, uh, the size of the front building in a pretty prominent building in Chesterford, I, I, I would actually like to see this, and so would propose a, a deferral until we could have a look at it. Does that find a second there, that? Councillor Freeman, thank you. So um, we'll go to the vote on whether we defer for a site visit or not. All those in favour of deferment, please show. It's two in favour. All those against? Seven against. Thank you. So the deferment proposal is lost. Um, so we must defer. We must uh, decide the application. Um, any comments, Councillor Hicks? Thank you, Chairman. Um, I can't see any reason to uh, not grant this application, so um, I would propose that we do approve it. Thank you. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Davey seconds that. Thank you. Do you wish to speak, Councillor Davey? 
no other than I and others are familiar with this application. It wasn't all that long ago, but it's before some of the new members joined us. So it's understandable that the question should have been asked. But no, I, I don't see any reason why we shouldn't go ahead with this. Thank you very much. So we have a proposal for approval, which has been seconded. All those in favour, please show. Seven in favour. And those against? Abstentions? Two abstentions. That application is approved. Next item on the agenda, application 16-3659. It's a householder full application in Saffron Walden, and it's Mr Mills again. Thank you. The site is located off Plantation Close in Saffron Walden. Um, it seems that this plan has been done in black and white, so it's not very clear. The site's here. It includes a terraced house and its curtilage. The proposal is to erect a single-storey rear extension, which would tie in with a similar extension at an adjoining property. The uh, drawings at the top here are the existing situation, so that's the rear elevation there on the top left. Uh, a side elevation at the top right, this is the adjoining neighbour's extension. Um, the proposal is to erect the uh, single-storey rear extension very similar proportions that would then tie in with the neighbouring one. For the reasons set out in my report, it is recommended that planning permission be granted. Thank you, Mr Mills. We have no speakers. So, members, any questions or queries? Councillor Lodge? Propose approval. Thank you very much. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Chambers, thank you very much. Um, in the light of no comments forthcoming, then we'll go to the vote. All those in favour, please show. Nine in favour. Thank you very much. That is approved. And our next item is application 16-3687. It's another householder full application in Saffron Walden. And Mr Brown will present in place of Mrs Shoesmith. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. This is only in front of members because it's a member of staff's application, otherwise it would have been handled by delegated powers. Um, the application is two bits to it. Um, there's the proposal for some rear dormers in the roof space here, which would actually be permitted development, and, but it's been put in front of us as a planning application and as well as a very modest front extension to the porch there. Um, as members will see from the, hopefully I've got one next to it, the site has quite a long garden here. This is that site here looking all the way back there. So it's quite a long garden, so the impact of the dormer windows is very minimal um, because of the distance, and the extension to the front is very modest, and so therefore the application is recommended for approval, Chairman. Thank you. Again, we have no speakers, so uh, Councillor Chambers. Proposed approval, Mr Chairman. Thank you very much. Uh, Seconded. Does that find a second, Councillor Davy? Thank you. Did you have your hand up, Councillor Lodge? Yes. Yeah, just a, a small question. It's a, it's a pretty unusual layout, and, uh, and I think you've just confirmed it was correct that they've obviously purchased that real land, which stands out massively. I was suggesting there, but but that is correct, obviously. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Right. Thank you. I have no objection. Sorry. So. Uh, Sorry, was that a comment? No, I just said I have no objections. It's no, been proposed fine. and seconded, is it not? Yeah, thank you. Um, okay, uh, event of 
In the light of no further comment, then we will go to the vote on this uh, recommendation for approval. All those in favour, please show. Nine in favour. Thank you. That application is therefore approved. And then the next application is regarding a variation to a condition on land south of Onga Road. And again, Mr Brown will make the presentation in the absence of Mrs Denmark. Thank you, Chairman. Um, members may recall this application that was there was, a, there was an application to vary the condition concerning the highway works. Uh, members approved that, and the section 106 was, is actually now being completed. Uh, but one error, um, we've, we've picked up that one of the recommended highway conditions wasn't included in part of your, uh, in part of your determination. And it's quite an important condition which required the, cl the, the closure of the temporary construction access. And so, there, so therefore, there, there, is a, there is requested that the additional condition outlined on page 213 also be included on that planning permission. So that's all it's done, is to, to secure the closure of the, the, the temporary constru uh, construction access. And so the application is recommended for that, just for that to be checked. Thank you, Mr Brown. I think we can all remember that was a fairly recent um, application. Um, Councillor Chambers, you had your hand up. Opposed approval, Mr Chairman. Thank you very much. That finds a seconder, Councillor Hicks. Seconded, Thank Chairman. you. Uh, all those in favour, please show. Nine in favour. Fine. Thank you. That application is approved. There is no other urgent business that I know of. Councillor Lachlan. I was just going to ask Mr Brown. Uh, we used to have training meetings or workshops, whatever you like to call them. We don't seem to have them anymore, and I think he, they might he be He has useful. been jigged. Has he? Mm. Oh, well, he's now been rejigged. Yeah, good. Councillor yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mills. Um, I'd just like to raise one point. Uh, we talked about Persimmon Homes at the last meeting. Uh, with uh, the, I think, I think the agreement that they would have to put the fencing up on the planting within one month, uh, they haven't done it. Uh, I drove past this morning. It's not there. Not fencing. But some of it is the planting. They actually yeah, the they're putting up fences which they haven't got permission for. Yeah, yeah, there's two bits to this. There's the planting's been carried out, but we need to have a closer look to see whether it's up to standard. Yeah, but it's definitely there. <laughs> Uh, and, but, they, but I also pick up your other point. They put up some fencing that they shouldn't have put up. So as a result of that, we're going to be revisiting the site. But uh, they have done some work on site. We just need to make sure. Meanwhile, we've got rows and rows of purchasers waiting for our response. So there are sales being held up, you'll be pleased to know. So, but we'll be visiting the site, first of all, to check which of the hedges all right, and secondly, to also pick up the, the fence issue. Councillor Freeman. <clears throat> technical question. Why did the burial ground need to come to this committee? Change of use. <laughs> I don't know. What was it? I don't know. Change of use from unimproved ground. Technically speaking, it didn't have to, looking at it. <laughs> the reason I ask, Chairman, is simply that there's stuff that actually doesn't go to committee unless a councillor calls it in because they spotted it and if they hadn't spotted it it would have been dealt with by an officer but this seems to me to be such a de minimis business that I'm astonished that it actually it came our way that's all well it could have been a use that um, could have been considered I hate to use the word antisocial but it could have had implications onto the enjoyment of the people in the neighbourhood. So I think it was right in, the, in, in that um, situation. Councillor Lodge. 
Could, it, could I uh, possibly ask for an enforcement update? Uh, Hilltop, Hilltop Farm at uh, Elsnum, the lighting there. We are currently, um, Jazz may not know this yet, but we're currently, we're currently preparing the papers to carry out because obviously the current application is somewhat irrelevant. They are in breach of their enforcement notice and so therefore we will be taking, we're carrying out the necessary action to carry out prosecution actions the next stage. But Jazz hasn't been instructed yet. That's why he doesn't. That's why he's looking in quite blank. But the next process is we need to go through the process of, of instructing lawyers to carry out prosecution action. Fine. Okay. Thank you, members. Well, Maggie, bon voyage <laughs> again. All the best for your retirement, <laughs> and thank you very much. Meeting closed at ooh, 4:35. Thank you.